Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Wednesday, September 27th. Instead of Colonel Murray, I know this is kind of out of band, out of time, out of out of sequence, but uh, suffice it to say that uh, it's that time of day. And uh, I had to go a little early today just because there's so many things going on, not to mention that uh, it's been a day of dealing with, <laughs> you name it, I've dealt with it today. But uh, I want to do some administrative notes and answer some questions from the last uh, couple of sit reps that have shown up in the, the Telegram chat. The, the first thing I want to address is some admin notes. And uh, the, the first thing to to really start talking through is there's a reason why we have rules in the chat channel. And I don't know if, if a lot of you aren't on Telegram. A lot of you aren't, don't have to deal with that, that mess of, uh, well, let's just say it's a toxic hole and it's an echo chamber. And what you see in, in the Telegram chat over and over and over again is you see these turds recycle through the chat that are just there to agitate. They're there to cause conflict. They shitpost, you name it. But they keep coming back. And they change their screen name. They come back. It's like the bots. So we've established hard guidelines for people that cause conflict. Because there's a lot of people that come into the chat and they want to say things. But you have these dominant personalities that try and dominate the room. And their view is the only view that's important. I, I don't. None of my team has any time for that because, and and they always show the term unity out. You're, you're just not promoting unity. No, I, I, I'm absolutely promoting unity. What I'm not tolerating is somebody to come, coming into my, into my channel that wants to dominate the conversation. And it, especially if, if you're a Q fan, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want to listen to me. You don't want to be in my channel. And you definitely don't want to argue with me and my channel because you will not last long. I have no use, time, or energy for any of the Q community. First of all, you can't hear a word spoken to you. Secondly, every conversation with one of you is always the same experience. It's the circular conversation around these quote-unquote proofs and truths and nonsense that's never come true. And none of you can accept the fact that you got played. So here's me saying to you very succinctly that Q is a PSYOP, good, bad, or indifferent. And here's what a PSYOP's designed to do. So we're all on the same page so that I can put to rest this conversation that I haven't had the quote-unquote right training because I get those idiots every so often that come into my channel. A PSYOP is designed to create conflict within a specific group of people. And if you look at what, what the Q community does when they're confronted with hard, cold truths that don't support their narrative or their belief system, it creates conflict, which is exactly the intent of a PSYOP. Get the memo. Q was designed to keep you at home and keep you complacent. It's a Pied Piper PSYOP. The whole goal is so you sit there and say the White Hats are coming to save us. There's nobody coming to save you. No one, let me say that again, no one is coming to save you. There's no white hats. There's no magic white hats. There's no pink hats. There's only people that are in the system 
and people that are not in the system, the haves and the have-nots. And I'm sure there's good people in the system that are working to disrupt what's going on, but it's not this massively coordinated effort. And I'm not saying that just to say it. I'm saying it because I have people that are still in the system that I talk to on a regular basis. They still have clearances. They're still working in the system. And they're telling me all the things that are going on. Here's a case in point. When the Biden regime was installed, the very first thing they did was unwind every one of the executive orders. And then they started going after agency by agency and pushing conservatives out of key positions. Anybody that was affiliated or potentially would support Trump was moved out of their position. I know that because I have a friend that works in DHS and he was moved out of his position. And they've made it incredibly hostile for anybody that's not a communist. In every federal agency, that is not, that's not white hats working in the background. That is a concerted effort by communists to take over the government, keep keep positions in the government. And then when you look at the way the military has funneled information, starting back in 2017, 2018, all the information, almost all of it, about Ukraine and about China's activities in the South China Sea, every bit of it funnels right into the Pentagon. We used to have what was called intelligence fusion centers. We used to have these systems, these top secret systems that shared information across the planet. I could be in, I could be in, uh, at Fort Lewis, and I could be reaching in and seeing what was going on in the field and on the battlefield in Iraq, in any part of Iraq. I could read situation reports. I could look at UAV cam. I could sit there and watch a UAV footage live, and I could, I could assess the situation. And when we did our train-ups to go back to the desert, especially in 2008 and 2009, I had at my fingertips in a skiff the ability to touch every part of the AO I was going to go own. And I could talk to every battlefield commander, either via chat, via email, or via satellite comms, right from where I was sitting. And before I trained up and went went uh, and did my MOVE in uh, 2000, 2008, literally months prior to that, I was literally in a skiff getting, getting brought up to speed on what the, the current battlefield picture was. And I could tell you that that capability has been funneled right to the Pentagon now. That sharing is no longer happening. That's that's not this big coordinated effort for white hats to disrupt things. That's that's the, the leadership funneling information so that the specific commands don't have the, the complete picture. And you can you can make all the conjecture you want about it, but that's the ground truth. The other one is there's this there's been this this narrative for the past two years, that Cheyenne Mountain was shut down by Trump before he left in, in 2021, and it's still shut down. It doesn't work that way. First of all, the only thing that was a Cheyenne Mountain for years was space was space units, space warning, uh, GPS, um, and I can't think of the third one, but there was, three, there was three space warning squadrons or space squadrons there. One of them did tracking space junk first space warning i think all they did was track space junk then you had the guys run the gps constellation all those movements all those units moved out they're no longer in the mountain so and i know people that are still in that business 
and still in the missile business too. And they all say the same thing, normal operations. There's nothing shut down. And, and that's part of it. This is part of what I unwind all the time. This is why I don't have any patience for the Q-tarts when they come into my, into my channel and they want to argue with me about some bullshit um, Q-truth. I don't have time for that shit. I don't have the time for it and I'm, I'm out of patience with it, especially when you deal with it in the hundreds of people and it is the hundreds of people. And it, this is how the, the flow usually goes. They come into my channel, they start a bunch of passive aggressive nonsense, they, they shit post, they get banned by one of the admins, then they start complaining to me in True Social, on Getter, or in Rumble. Hey, I got banned from your room. Were you shit posting? Well, no. I was I was trying to tell your your admins that there was this Q proof. Yeah, that's why you got banned. It's consistent and it gets old. And the Q guys don't have they have nothing to offer and add to the fight. Nothing. There's literally nothing to add to the fight. The only thing that they bring in on a consistent basis is conflict. I don't. That's not going to be in my room. It won't be in my chat room. That's for sure. And whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. So I'm getting that out of the way now. And trust me when I say this, these rules took a year to develop to the point where we we deploy a bot now and we use a bot in the, in the chat called Rose. And what Rose does is look for keywords. And if you start posting stuff that that we've flagged, it'll never, it'll ne never see the light of day. And after three, you get put in timeout. After five, you're, you're, out of, you're out of the room. And we, we put it in place originally because of the bots. Because one of the things that um, the shills were doing, especially the, the Linwood crowd, is they come in and shitpost and post a bunch of pictures. Like there was, a, there was a, a couple of times where, this was before the bot, that I posted something in either Tory channel or in a Linwood channel, one of them that basically called BS on what they were talking about. And it was factual and literally my my chat room was filled with dick pics like within minutes that that's what these people do if they don't like what you're saying especially anybody like you watch i'm talking about linwood right now the moment his people scrape my site and hear linwood i guarantee you that they will be in my chat room causing problems at least for a, a minute or so before they get banned but that's why the rules exist it's not we're singling out people. It's not that we don't like people's opinion. It's that I'm not going to put up with any, any conflict. There's no point for it. And this is the other piece. I got to ask this question. How did we get here? It's a, that's a very complex answer, especially when you start looking at some of the other causality that led us to this. But it, in my view, the fundamental reason why we are here is for one very simple truth, and that is conservatives don't want to do the political jobs. They don't want to do the public service jobs. They predominantly don't want to do any of the civil service jobs. That's predominantly filled with liberals. You look at any civil servant, especially a civil servant like a, a social worker, almost all of them flaming liberals. I don't know any that are conservatives. In the correction system, in the military, in, in trades like the firefighting and law enforcement, all conservative. But when you start talking city, state, county, and political, all liberal. And I, I know I'm making a blanket statement here, but I'm trying to prove a point. And the point is, they've the elite have leveraged our trends and our social norms against us.
And that's what's led us here. Because I don't know a lot of conservatives that want to give up a six-figure income and go work for the city at $50,000 a year and deal with those politics. That's how they've leveraged the system. They've leveraged the fact that we, they know conservatives don't want to do that work. And they'll put people in there that are completely fine doing whatever their bidding is to maintain the status quo. And most of the people that I worked with in the government, especially GS workers, a lot of them, they were coasted to retirement. Some of them were actually very, very hardworking people that actually cared about the country. But I would say predominantly it was few and far between. And because of that, you're seeing the situation develop as it is because there's nobody to, to stop them. By the way, uh, can everybody hear me in the chat? Because I'm not seeing any comments. I don't know if it's me or if it's the situation. But um, yeah, so I did, Paul, you just proved my point, right? You're one in, one in how many in your department? But for the most part, conservatives don't want to work in that. They don't. And, and look, and I'm basing this off of the fact that I, when my entire team was sitting um, at the Army CERT and we were doing we were doing a real world mission and everybody figured out that we had capabilities, everybody on my team was literally offered a job to go work for one of the agencies and do the same, just to do the same job for the agencies. And none of them wanted to do it because it was a pay cut for them. And the other side of it, too, is that, thank you, appreciate that, by the way, that you guys can hear me. So, but that's predominantly what led us here, is that they've leveraged our own norms and our own social um, norms against us. And they've been doing it for years. We just haven't paid attention. And part of it is they know they've been able to energize their base to do a lot of the political grandstanding. But it's been the messaging over and over and over again across all of the platforms. Like, And I'll give you a case in point for influencing operations. So I know a lot of liberals that are very successful tech people that don't, would never do a government job. I also know a lot of liberals that are in tech that have made massive amounts of money and they want to go work for the government because they want to be able to influence directly the government and the way that we do, uh, the way that the communities run. And I've seen several of them go from tech to the county, tech to the state, more so tech to the state than tech to the federal government. Now, the federal government side of the house, a lot, and Paul, feel free to disagree with me on this. If I'm wrong, I don't mind being wrong. I'm giving you my view of the world based on the multitude of conversations I've had and the multitude of things that I've done with the government and the interactions I've had. And I could tell you that the depending on which region of the country you're in, there's a, there's a bigger propensity for, for this transition to happen. But when you transition from tech to the state, you're a rock star because you walk in the door and you have all this technical knowledge. You know how a lot of these things fit together at the big picture level. And a lot of them have worked in the same job for 20, 30 years, and they're, they're immigrants to technology. So it gives you right out of the gate, all of the street cred and all this ability to influence the organization. And when you, when you look at the mass migration of people that have done that over the last few years, and it's been quite a few people, you'd be surprised how many people have gone from tech to the federal government and to the state government, more so to the state government. It's, it's almost shocking. And then there's the other side of it, which is the contractors that go to support. Everybody I worked with when I, when I did um, ops for the FAA and for uh, the FBI, I could tell you that 
just supporting their SOC with with um, uh, classified information or unclassified information related to threat. I can tell you that my interactions with the FBI, almost every single one was a flaming liberal, almost every single one of them. And we would give them regular threat briefs on this is what's going on. This is where the, this is where the threat's at. This is where we're seeing these, these campaigns. This is where we're seeing phishing. This is where we're seeing denial of service, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, sometimes it was, and I can tell you, sometimes it was very contentious. And then, but then you have, you know, field stations where you go and everybody's really laid back, everybody's really cool and, and they don't care about politics. So it depends on where you go too. But I can tell you that I know a lot of conservatives that would never take a state or federal job. They just wouldn't do it. And some of the best talent we have across the board on the conservative side would never step forward and do that. That's that's the first reason. The second reason is highly effective messaging. They have They have messaged in every platform they can. I was watching uh, Wheel of Time on, I think it was on Amazon, and my kid turned me on to it. We, we watched it when my kid was here. And I don't watch TV that much. I don't even watch series that much. And this series is both dark and satanic, but the messaging is unbelievable. And she, and uh, the, the gal in it, she's, uh, what's her name? Rosamund Pike, and first of all, it's it's about witchcraft, and then it's about dark but dark magic, and it's laced with all these themes and messages that you probably wouldn't even pick up. Like every sorceress or every witch, however you want to call them, it has a a warder, basically a male servant, and this male servant is bonded for life. It's slavery, slavery masked as a relationship. And then on top of that, the men subservient to the women. The women are the most powerful in the world. Are you catching the themes now? This is episode one. And then on top of that, men go crazy if they have all this power. And men are the ones that have tainted the earth. And men are the ones that let dark forces out in the earth. I mean, it's right down the numbers. That's just one show. If you go to other TV shows, and, and if you haven't listened to me before, you probably never heard this. But if you sort through, and I've said this numerous times, it bears repeating. And stay with me on this one because I am, I am literally talking about and answering a conversation that I had yesterday with somebody about this that didn't believe me. So here's the homework. In addition to the FEMA camps, in addition to, you know, what's happening at the local level, go look at Netflix. Go look at um, Amazon, go look at Sony, go look at Samsung TV, and I guarantee you, even Disney, you will see a host of dark, Luciferian, child-exploiting, child-sexualized, highly-charged shows that are all designed to get you to accept the narratives that they want you to accept, which is women are good, men are bad, toxic masculinity is bad, women should rule the planet, accept people's sexuality, accept their definition of family. The nuclear family is bad. Christianity is bad. I mean, you can go down, down by the numbers. But that messaging has been so effective. And now they're preaching. This is what they're preaching in schools. Charlie Kirk just posted this the other day, and I've been talking about it for over three years now. When they brought Confucius University into the public school system and into the university system in the U.S., 
thanks to Obama, thanks to Bill Gates, thanks to a few other people, they turned them into indoctrination centers. And literally the narrative that they're pushing kids in school is that communism was done wrong. And that if we just do it right, it, communism is scientific. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the messaging around this. And literally I was trying to deprogram somebody yesterday that when having this conversation that literally believes that toxic masculinity and people being too white and that communism should all be addressed as well as reparations. And this is a white guy that I've known for probably 15 years. And this is somebody that served in the in, in not only in the, the federal government, but served in some very, very high positions in the federal government that and he's got a PhD. I was dumbfounded. But this shows you the effect of the highly um, charged and highly effective information campaign that's been waged against not just the U.S., but across the, across the entire planet. This is all being pushed out of China. This is classic communist, communist doctrine. Go to Wikipedia and look up communist dark doctrine or Marxism, and I guarantee you will see every single one of these things called out by the numbers in every way, shape, and form. They're playing the same script here. They're trying to indoctrinate the young. And they're leveraging our social norms and our belief systems against us. I mean, go try and say white lives matter somewhere, especially in a blue city. I guarantee you, you will get attacked. That's how effective the messaging's been. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that they've corrupted not just the elite, but they've corrupted the GOP establishment and the conservative movement to the point where the conservative movement and the GOP do not have a set of guiding principles or a moral compass to follow. That has been in the works for almost 40 years. And part of it is due to the fact that, the, that a lot of these career politicians have created crime families. A lot of these career politicians have leveraged their position to build the sphere of influence in whatever state they're in. Case in point, Biden appointed just about everybody and influenced to get all the people that he wanted in place in, in Delaware so that essentially he's untouchable. And they've done the same thing in New Hampshire. They've done the same thing in California, Washington, Arizona. I mean, the, the McCain mob is still alive and well here. And why it's important is that these, these elite play for both sides and they detest the base. They absolutely detest the base. And then they put provocateurs into all of the political establishments in every single conservative state. And you, and all these conservative organizations have spent the last five to 10 years arguing amongst themselves because they have provocateurs that have infiltrated every single organization. And then they stand up these left-leaning NGOs with all these, these freedom-related titles to mask what they're really doing, which is, is influencing and converting the population to believe in communism. Let me tell you what communism brings. Death, slavery, more death, more slavery. That's all it's ever brought. It's a system of corruption built on a system of corruption. But if you look at this from the globalist point of view, and you look at this from the oligarch's point of view, what is a dictator? 
It's middle management. So you put a guy like Xi in charge. He's a Shanghai mobster. He's a thug. This guy's whole agenda is to rape, torture, and murder and rule by fear. Guess what? You put enough of those in place and you've got the world under your, under your thumb. You control the purse strings. You control the flow of money. You control the flow of information, Starlink, social media, television. And guess what? You control all of them. And that's that's how they, they've used our own system and our own technology against us. So how do we get out of this? That's the question. That's the other question. And where do you start to look for some of this information? At the county level, this is going to take, this takes deep research at the county level because over the last two years, especially since um, Jack Donna and uh, Colonel Jenkins uh, and a few others released and did the articles that went to Mark Levine and made it to Mark Levine's show about the um, the intergovernmental agreements that the CDC signed with the counties here in Arizona. They've, they've whitewashed a lot of the county notes as well as the city notes. So you're going to have to dig deep. They're, they're still there. There's still public record of them. But you're probably going to have to look through meeting minutes all the way back to 2019 and start going month by month to see if you can find the agreements in there. I know they were renewed in 2022 so that um, they could extend to 2026. So they're there. I know they are. Here, it was the Board of Supervisors and the meeting minutes of the Board of Supervisors, and specifically in Cochise County, that uh, Centurion and uh, I think Jack Donner were the ones that uncovered it first. And they pulled the entire document down, and we have um, copies of the original agreements. I haven't seen the current agreements, the renewals, but I know they're there. And I know that Jack Donner and Colonel Jenkins, um, along with one of my admins, Wendy, just did a um, an, a refresh of the IGA article that was published on the Washington Pundit, and I, I, if I could find the uh, the link to it, I will I will definitively post it in the in the notes for this. But suffice it to say that uh, it was um, it was them that uncovered all of this and made the uh, the initial announcement. That that's just one one piece of this, and. The IGAs are important because it it shows the depth of corruption. Um, like today in Arizona, literally Katie Hobbs has to have Senate confirmation for um, all of these different appointees that she wants to put in place. And she waited until the Senate was recessed and then appointed all these people. I mean, total abuse of power. But she knows that there's nobody in law enforcement that's going to arrest her. And this is literally exactly what, what all of these crime families did. Was, was put in the system, in the apparatus, all these key players that would, would protect them. How do you think the Clintons have done it all these years? They literally have put key people in key positions. I mean, Mark Elias was literally been their legal bulldog and lawfare bulldog for the past 30 years. This guy is still, and well, for whatever reason, there was a falling out there. If it was a real falling out, I can tell you the guy would be dead because there's a body count behind those two knuckleheads. But Suffice it to say that that's that's how they've usurped the entire system against us. They've built these crime families. They've corrupted the system. They've filled all of the conservative uh, movements with provocateurs. That's why I keep talking about sphere of influence and, and, and resetting at the local level. 
because we have to reset at the local level and start cultivating relationships with people that believe in selfless service. You would be surprised, literally surprised at how many people do not know how to cultivate a relationship, do not know how to be present and, and, you know, in a conversation and think about it this way. How many times do you have a conversation with somebody and they glance at their phone 15 times? I do it all the time. I, I could be sitting with my kid and I'll glance at my phone because my phone buzzes and I, I have to make a concerted effort not to do it now. And then the other part of this is, you know, the building the sphere of influence is just one piece of it. Then there's the piece of building trust among everybody in the group and, and you know, you have to validate and vet everybody that comes in because there's a hundred different people that will come and go. And part of my, you know, dialogue at the start of the sit rep is, is around that revolving door of shills that come in and out of all these, these different rooms and organizations to create problems. You know, if they can interdict us and get us to stop paying attention to one another, they've, they've won the argument. And I've, I've said for a long time that the, the calmest person in the room is the one that wins the argument and the one that carries the conversation. And that's, that's still true today. But in order for us to reset the system, we have to break those patterns personally, interpersonally, and, and culturally at a community level. Otherwise, we will never get out of this. We will see a perpetuation of, of violence, perpetuation of, of uh, fraud, and perpetuation of criminality, which is what we're seeing now. That's why you're seeing all these this, this craziness that's going on at the national level. I mean, Joe Biden's trying to create these um, uh, environmental brown shirts. Literally, they're trying. They're, they've taken a page out of both the, the Marxist and the, the Nazi playbook, and they're literally creating the brown shirts right now. And they already had Antifa and BLM as their brown shirts. But those were funded organizations. And once those organizations started to crumble on the Nazi side of the house, they, they literally dismantled them and rolled everything into the state, which is what they want to do here. Just like they want to do the same thing with schools. They want to turn all of the schools into these indoctrination centers. Why do you think they don't want parents to talk? Why do you think they want to take away parental rights? Because they want to dictate how they teach your kid and what they teach your kid. And that's why it's so important to overwhelm these school boards. You saw during COVID, you saw entire communities show up at school board meetings and city council meetings and overwhelm them and take over. That's what we have to do. Mass non-compliance. Mass non-compliance. I mean, it has to be everybody across the planet. And, and other, other countries are more likely to take the streets and more likely to do that than we are. This will be a litany test for the, for the American people. And it really boils down to at what point, that's why I keep talking about the line in the sand, at what point do you draw a line in the sand and say, this is it? For me, I don't care if they take my house. I don't care if, I take, if they take my stuff. I don't care about that. But if something happens to my kids, all bets are off. You will see something new. And everybody has to ask that question. Everybody. Because the day is coming. And I talked about, you know, the, a series of events that looked like they were culminated in October. It still looks like that. And I say that because 
we're seeing open rhetoric now in the Russian press about attacking U.S. bases because of all the attacks that have taken place against the Black Sea Fleet and against Russian targets within Russia. The, the Russians have said from day one that they will not tolerate direct action by NATO or the Americans against Russian targets. So we're about to see if they're serious or not. They may not be at all. It might be smoke and mirrors. It could be a script. Who knows? But I know this, that on the 25th is when that was released. And that lines up with what I was starting to say, that we'll see this escalation over the next next several weeks. At the same time, we're seeing this debt fight, which, by the way, this this theater that's going on on Capitol Hill about the debt ceiling, about the, the new the, the budget, it's all nonsense. It's all scripted nonsense. They're going to pass a budget. Kevin McCarthy's going to cave. They're going to all they're all going to complain and say, we'll get them next time. It's going to be the same shit. It always is. It's always the same show. Oh, we can't pass the debt ceiling. Oh, there's dissenters. We've got to come to an agreement. We've got to get everybody on board. It's all nonsense. It's all distraction and noise. Here's what you really want to be asking. Where's the money going? How much money is in this bill that's going to Ukraine? When does the spigot turn on and when does it turn off? Because they're still burning money from last year. So the question really becomes, how much money are we sending them and where is it going? Because nobody seems to know where the money's going. Nobody seems to know where the arms is going. I can tell you that this problem is age old. It goes all the way back to the Civil War. Arms not ending up where they're supposed to. Vietnam the same way. But in this case, this is incredibly more sophisticated of a money laundering operation because we're talking about billions of dollars here being funneled into Ukraine, out of Ukraine and back. And I'm really curious to see when the collapse of the Ukrainian army starts, because I think it's, it's, it's already cracked. Now I'm just waiting for the collapse. When I hear about 3,500 soldiers surrendering all in mass, that's a significant number of soldiers that surrender. That means that they're at the breaking point. And when an army reaches a breaking point, it's a, it's a, it's a rapid collapse. It's not a, it's not a little thing. It's a rapid collapse. Look at how the German army collapsed in, in, uh, in and around Berlin. They were overwhelmed with Russian soldiers, overwhelmed with Russian artillery. You'd have five artillery tubes on the German side and 1,000 on the, on the Soviet side. I mean, that's a that's an amazing amount of shell. And let me tell you what it's like to be under artillery. You can hear it walking in. You can see it walking in on you, and you have no place to go. And I trust me, I've been in the open where 107s were landing all over the place, and there's no place to go. It's, it's sheer terror. And you can't describe it to anybody unless you've been under it. And it literally sounds like somebody picked a freight train up and dropped it from a 20-story crane. That's what it sounds like when it hits the ground. It's imagine a thousand rounds a minute coming at you. That is amazing how scary that is. The uh, what's my perspective on the mass looting that's going on in big cities? You're, that's so to answer your question, Paul, that is again part of the communist doctrine bring in chaos, bring in terror, bring in you know, problem, reaction, solution. So they've created the problem of looting. They've defunded the police. They've set conditions for the social and moral fiber of the city to not only decline, but for chaos and violence to ensue. And then they come in probably with martial law. And that's how they start. 
This is cl that's classic, classic communist doctrine. Classic. The question is going to be really what's the catalyst that they're going to use and what's the go point for them to declare martial law or to declare some kind of a state of emergency. I, I they don't care about the businesses. They really don't care. They, they will burn every single one of them to the ground because they want to, they're boxing us in. And let me let me explain what why I say that. They're they're going after food production to box us in so that we we don't have access to protein, beef, et cetera. They're going after the medical system and they're going after the pharmaceuticals. Now they're going after supplements and they're going after prescription drugs so that you only the only choice you have is to take a vaccine. They're going after water so that you only have access to the water they supply. And there's only one company on the planet that supports all of these different water systems, especially here in the U.S. There's one company that supports all the, all the city water systems, and they provide the same thing for everything. So they're trying to box you in with food, water, medicine, and now housing. If they raise the price and the cost of living to a point where you can't afford it, then you have to take their subsistence in order to afford a place to live, or you move out of the urban areas. And that's what we're seeing right now is this mass migration out of urban areas. At the same time, all that's going on. You have the ATF and the IRS going after some of the bigger gun brokers right now. And they, they, I will tell you that the ATF has always hated gun shows. They've always considered gun shows to be the Achilles heel of the gun business because they consider it unregulated. And you can, you can sell almost everything at a gun show, even though they do background checks right there. Because if you're... If you're in most states, if you're concealed carry, you can walk in over the counter and buy a weapon. They don't have to do a federal background check on you because you have the concealed carry. The state's already done the background check. That's why the ATF's always hated it. If I sell a firearm to somebody, I have to do a federal background check unless they have a concealed carry permit. Then I can just sell them the weapon and log in the book and away they go. And the ATF wouldn't know about it until they out of my books. So you have the ATF using the IRS to go after specific guns, gun sellers, and Obama tried to go after ammunition, and the ammunition industry is too big worldwide in order for them to shut that down. So now they're going after gun dealers, and they're taking away um, FFL licenses from gun dealers. So they're taking away the Second Amendment right. So if, now you've got medical, you've got firearms, you've got water, you've got housing, and you've got um, a, a few things left when one of them is transportation. If they make it so prohibitively expensive to drive your car, you won't be able to move your car either. They're building, as you as you appropriately said, Turbo, they're building a kill box. And that kill box is so they can box you in and get you into a quote-unquote 15-minute city. That's why, this is exactly why I've been saying to resist. And, if, and, and here's the kicker. The final nail in the coffin for all of it is if they box you in and then they collapse the economy and the financial picture and drive you to a QR code and drive you to digital currency, they own you. You sign up for one part of that system to get a digital currency, you sign up for all of it. And initially you'll see them roll out a digital currency and you'll see a black market, a healthy black market start in, in, in real time. But what is, what is gonna be keenly important when that starts is to feed the, the to feed the alternative economy so that they don't have the ability to box people in. That means you're going to have to go back to holistic medicine. You're going to go back to some of the old remedies to deal with some of the things that we're dealing with. And 
the intent of it is they want to tag every animal on the planet. They want to tag every human on the planet and they want to control it with AI so they can track you everywhere, which is exactly what they've done in China. China was a lot different, a lot easier to subjugate because China was already under Maoist rule for 40 years. So it was easy to maneuver the population into what they wanted. And then the other the other uh, thing that they need to do away with is a constitution or civil liberties. The way they do that is they corrupt the political system. So the bankers can come in and say, look, this system is, is, doesn't work. And they're already teaching that in school that, that capitalism doesn't work. Never mind, it worked for over 200 years and we didn't have any of the issues we had until the late eighties when all these, you know, uh, crime families took over, but here we are. And they did it slowly, but surely over the years. The question that everybody's got to ask is this is going to be predominantly information and not kinetic. The kinetic will happen in the big cities. The, the key for success and the key for, for the entire planet to liberate the planet is not going to be fighting person to person, city by city. It's going to be uniting all of the factions, the left and the right, against the common enemy, which is the elite and the, and the oligarchs. If, if people lose sight of the big picture, if people lose sight of who the enemy is, we've lost. And that's, that's exactly the intent of all of these psyops that are going on. It's exactly the intent of this critical race theory, of this, this equity division or diversity, equity, inclusion. It's, it's the whole gender ideology that's all designed to put people into buckets to have you fight against each other so that they can consolidate power. And, you know, when you break down the, the brass tacks and you get it and you get down to the to the level of a chat room, that's that's where this that's why I don't have any any tolerance for any of the shills, any of the cutards or any of the rest of that crew, because they're so myopic in their view of the world that they're they've lost sight of the bigger picture. And unity is not going to come in a chat room. It's going to come when everybody's starving and you have to share resources so that 60% of you can live. That's where unity is going to come in. And that unity is going to happen when people put aside their political difference, they check their ego at the door, and they start working together to solve the problem. That's how it's going to come together. It's not going to happen in a chat room or a meme or any kind of a conversation online. You have to be face-to-face. -face. You have to be solving the problem in the moment for people to realize it. If you think I'm kidding, go look at a natural disaster. When you see a tornado go through a town, what's the first thing that happens? People come together to find who's still there, and then they start to put together a response. That's what happens. And look, we need to, we're going to need to deal with the migrant and immigrant situation at the same time we're trying to get our boots on. And the other part of it too, again, this is what the, the communists do, is they disrupt any kind of an organized counter, uh, you know, defense or any kind of a counter movement. And they've been highly effective at that. That's why I keep saying do this at the local level with people you know first and then branch out from there because at least you'll have a basis of people that you know you can trust and then start to move out from there. That's the only way that we're going to be able to get out of this.
And this is, I, and I got to warn everybody, this is going to take years. This is not going to happen in six months or a year. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to suck. Let me say it again. It's going to suck. You're going to watch people die. You're going to watch people starve to death. You're going to watch people die from exposure. That's what these guys are trying to do. That's the intent of all of this, is to drive you into desperation so you accept their, their control measures. All you have to do is go look at Sri Lanka, and you will see the playbook clearly. They ran them out of fuel. They ran them out of food. They ran them out of power. And then they issued QR codes. Where do you think this is going? And that was the test bed to do it here. And on top of that, they were building the social police, which is what they've deployed in Europe, especially in the UK. You post anything on social night, social media, you get a knock on the door. And th this is to address some comments from the uh, the last sit rep where I, I was talking about Mike Pence. The reason why I've softened my language on Mike Pence is because I've had several people come to me and say, you need to soften the language there or you're going to get rolled up before the fight starts. Okay, fine. I don't mind softening the language on that. But I won't soften the language on what these people are doing. And look, I can tell you that I've, I've, I have lots of people that work at the White House. I know lots of people that work in the, in the social circles in D.C., seen some of it myself. I can tell you that a lot of these people are pedophiles without, without question. And there are a lot of these people, almost, let's say over 60% are homosexuals. It's a thing there. And most of our world leaders were installed and their homosexuals are compromised in some way, shape, or form. So all of that, all of that is what the elite are doing right now. It's happening real time. So how do I think this is going to go in a city? I think you're going to see the moral fiber and the social order decay to the point where it's basically the Wild West. Probably as people run out of money because things are so expensive and people were on the edge when we started in 2021, now food banks are tipped over. I guarantee you that you're going to see more people over the coming months, especially as gas prices go over five bucks, six bucks a gallon, people are going to be below the the poverty level. And then you're going to see violence kick up in the cities. And they're going to try and play it, and they're going to message it as racial violence. But really what it is is you're going to see people that are that are out of means. Right now it's the opportunists that are going into Apple, they're going into some of the big box stores and some of the, the brand name stores, and they're looting. And it's not one demographic group, and it's not one cultural group, and it's not one race. That's all nonsense. All of that is designed so that you have an emotional response and blame one set of people. Again, putting people into buckets. That's what they're doing. And then once that happens and, and order's lost, then you'll start to see, you know, street on street conflict. Uh, do I think it's going to get that bad? I sure hope not. But that's usually how it goes. When people run out of energy, you're going to see desperation. And and especially in the wintertime, if you can't afford to, to heat your home and your kids are freezing to death, trust me, people take drastic measures. And when they're hungry, you're going to see all of that. But 
never mind, because, you know, immigrants that come to this country, they have an application that they use on their phones in a different country. They choose what flight they want to go on, and then they choose what city they want to live in, and then they're given 2200 bucks a month and put up in a house that our country built. Don't worry. White Hat's got this. Just, just enjoy the show. The other piece of this, too, is that the whole conversation about BRICS, Tom Luongo, I, I encourage everybody to go listen to Tom, Tom Luongo's, um, his podcast, because he talks to um, a number of the financial players that are in the big picture, uh, especially folks that are, that talk to, you know, people inside the system. And when you, uh, when you get inside the system, the interesting, the interesting part of Luongo and uh, his whole um, just the way he approaches the conversation, you get a robust look at the financial system. And Daniel DiMartino was on his show. I think it was episode 142 or 143. It's been several months ago. But she talks to everybody in the Fed. And she is, um, uh, she is, Dude, are you really are you really posting Venmo? Really? Really? Unbelievable. Sorry, I'm 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 looking at what was posted in the chat. Hey, VI, don't post that crap on my channel. Anyway, the uh, he, Luongo talks to Daniel DiMartino. She talks about the Fed and the system of the Fed because she's talking to people in the system. I think he's got a better feel for the financial crisis and the financial situation. And he said two weeks ago on a podcast he did that it was an interview with him and Alex Craner that within six weeks we'll, we'll see a financial disruption. I believe the guy. I wholeheartedly believe the guy because he is um, he's dialed into not just the financial picture, but he knows all the players. And I think if there's anybody that can make a prediction, it's probably him. So I don't. And I the other part, too, is that remember the BRICS is set up by China, by Russia as an alternate form of payment. They still have to figure out the logistics of payment and payment settlement as well as, as transactions for gold and currency and currency conversion. Currency conversion is extremely hard and very complex. And, you know, R Russia's got its own problems with, with purchasing and with purchase systems as part of their economic um, dysfunction to begin with. So they've got bigger problems. I don't think that even if they want to do the whole BRICS situation right now, I don't think they have the ability to pull it off. I really don't. And even if even if they do, it's going to take a significant amount of time to um, it's going to take a, a significant amount of time to get all the logistics around the, that financial system up to speed to where they can actually process payments. And right now they're just doing currency for currency transactions based on whatever valuation it is. And I think they're still using the London London Exchange for that. 
and there's still there's still a lot of countries that are trading U.S. dollars and still using SWIFT as a as a payment system. So there's there's a lot of pieces to it. But I'm not the expert on this. I think Luongo is. So anyway, but Luongo is where I point to that. Um, in a different note, I'm going to be on. Uh, I've had positive comms with um, communication with Daniel uh, Estulin. I'm going to be on his show tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I'm not sure if he's if it's live or not. I don't I don't know what the uh, the logistics are around that. But suffice it to say that um, uh, I'm going to be on a show tomorrow, and we're going to talk through. Well, we're going to talk through a lot of things. We're going to talk about the information war in Iraq and and why that was wasn't successful. Then we're going to talk to we're going to talk through. Um, I'm looking at the topics here, so we're going to talk through. Um, current psyops. We're going to talk through um, the politics across the planet because look, his he's got an international audience, and most of his audience doesn't care about American politics. In fact, most Americans don't care about American politics. So it should be a very interesting show. And I talked to him for like I don't know, 45, 50 minutes the other day, and and I know what everybody's going to say. Well, this guy was KGB. Yeah, and I, that was the first thing I asked him. I'm like, you're KGB? He goes, Yeah, I was, I was an analyst for the KGB. That's where I learned how to do my research, and I wrote the Bilderbergs. I wrote Bil uh, the Bilderberg book because of that, and we talked about Bilderberg for a second, and then we talked about some of the higher order stuff, and then we talked about his Northern Lights presentation, and um, he asked me about a lot about my background and what I was doing and why I was doing this. And look, the uh, – no. The, okay, so let me – Turbo, let me address that Faraday cage nonsense. So first – yeah, he Estulin publishes in Spanish, but he's going to do an English version for my interview. So you'll be able to see it in, in English, not in Spanish, because I don't speak Spanish. Uh, at least I don't speak enough Spanish to be to be fluent in it. But suffice it to say, um, to answer the question, Turbo, on the fourth, I don't. Th so what's his name? Uh, can't think of the guy's name. Uh, Prather. Prather did a show where he said, turn off your phone between three and five or two and four on the October 4th, because they're going to push out this, this 5G pulse to everybody via your phone, humma humma, and it's going to turn everybody into zombies with Marburg, humma humma. I think it's just going to be a test of the EBS. I think what they have coming is way worse than that. And even if they do do that, I don't think turning off your phone or turning off Wi-Fi is going to do anything because the 5G towers are all around you. They don't need to send it to your phone if they're sending a signal out. They can pulse it from a tower. Yeah, Todd Callender. So I don't look. I don't know how much of that stuff I believe. I I talk. I, I watched the the interview that Todd Callender and Pete Chambers did with Prather, and I I'm still on the fence about it even after talking to to uh, Pete Chambers. And look, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Pete. I, I love what he's doing. I like the fact that he's 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 in the public space and he's he's literally driving all over Texas. He's he's doing like Trooper, right? He's doing the Lord's work. He's doing his calling. I'm doing mine. And my calling is to be skeptical. And it's part of what I do for a living, to be skeptical of everything I see and work my way backward to figure out what the ground truth is. With this Marburg thing, I can't work my way backward and get to a place that I believe is is true. There's too many variables in not just the vaccine, but there's too many variables in the vaccine and the chain 
of logistics to get the vaccine to people that is way too complex to say definitively these things could happen. I, I just don't know enough about it. If you really want to understand how the vaccine works, watch episode 33 of Sam Sigalov's um, Evenings with Sam Sigalov, and I, I guarantee you, you'll get some of the answers you're looking for. Is it possible, is it probable that there's a payload in the vaccine that they could activate? It's possible and it's probable, but I don't know to what degree and I don't know to what probability. And then the other side of it is even if they do, what are you going to do about it? I mean, I'm not going to turn off my phone from two to four on the fourth. I, I'm, why? I'm not vaccinated. If, and if it's a cyber attack, then we have bigger problems. Everything else is going to go down too. And I, I, I can tell you if there's a cyber attack, I'm going to throw my phone in the pool. Because at that point, the only thing it becomes is a GPS beacon for them to drop a bomb on my head. And watching all the drone footage in the Ukraine and the ISR assets, there's no way I'll have any, any of that kind of technology on me. So just food for thought. And then I know, I know, granted, it's not a vaccine. We all agree to that. So, and then there's the, so Brad Miller, I, I uh, can't remember if I talked to him or not. I've talked to a lot of LTCs that are doing shows and uh, trust me, I've talked to a lot of them, but uh, I'll, I'll reach out to him, watch some of his stuff, see if I, uh, see if there's some synergy there. Part of this is not just bringing on another Lieutenant Colonel. Part of it is you got to have some rapport with them and be able to have a conversation with them. And, you know, you've seen some of the disjointedness when, when uh, Colonel Piper and Colonel Conrad are on with, because we're all, we all have our perspectives, but even that they've got stuff going on in their life. I've got stuff going on in my life. And sometimes we don't have a lot of time to sync. And those shows that the shows show that. We're not, we haven't rehearsed anything. We get on and we're, we're talking through the topics. And those guys, they don't get a lot of lead time before they get on the show. So just food for thought. Um, and then uh, <laughs> one of my admins, I love this. Uh, I love some of my admins. I love the fact that they're like paying attention and they throw stuff at me while I'm talking. It totally disrupts me. But yeah. Um, anyway, the, uh, lost my train of thought it's terrible um anyway this this october 4th thing i think it's going to be a nothing burger and even if it isn't what are you going to do about it anyway so um but the uh we'll do the round table next week i'm, I'm gonna uh, looks like i'm gonna be on uh, gray matters on the 6th so i'll be back with that crowd uh, on the 6th that's a lot more animated a lot more free-flowing and then i'll be doing um live streams every every wednesday uh, between either 4 or 5 p.m. Pacific time. And at some point, I'm going to have uh, Sharita Starr on. She's, she does uh, numerology. She's one, one that uh, she started my channel, and we've become good friends. And, and I, I've tried to, to – I've had her chimp it down for me, so I try to understand how all of it works, how it all fits together. Um, I'm going to have her on. She can explain some of it because there is – there is a lot of things that are happening that are explainable through, uh, you know, like I'm a Capricorn. I had no, you know, for years I didn't care because it didn't really mean anything to me. Um, but she sent me some information about, you know, my, my related to my birth date and, and 
lunar cycles, et cetera. And I can, again, like I said, I can't explain it all. And I've been talking to her for over a year now and I still don't get it all. But suffice it to say, I'm going to have her on and we'll probably do an hour long show and talk current events and talk about how that relates to the numerology side of the house so you can get a different flavor. Look, I, I know there's a lot of Christians out there that don't appreciate that, but here's why I'm, here's why we're having this conversation. Here's why I'm doing this. I'm trying to expose everybody to a lot of different lines of thought. And here's one thing you can't deny. Every time there's a full moon, people go, they lose their minds. I was married to a nurse. I can tell you that she dreaded full moons because every single time she had, she was an L and D nurse. So she did labor and delivery and God bless her because she did yeoman's work. It was the one thing about the woman that I truly admired was her ability to, to work her ass off, to help a, a woman deliver a baby, make sure the baby was safe. And she would tell me about the craziness that happened on full moons. And she literally used to track the full moon cycle. So she knew when she didn't want to work because it was that bad. And that's, that's L and D. Imagine what it's like in an ER. It's craziness. So there's something to it. I don't know what it is, but uh, you know, and I've been trying to figure it out for over a year just to try and get a correlation, but if anything, it'll give you food for thought. And that's the point of it. The other piece of it too, um, is I'm going to try and mix up the topic so it's not just geopolitical. You're seeing this from a lot of different angles, the global the global perspective from a lot, a lot of different angles. And look, folks, this is this is global. This is not just happening here. What's happening here is a microcosm of what's happening overseas. It's just they're more they're able to pivot and do more outside the U.S. because they don't have to deal with the Second Amendment or the Constitution. So they can. They can affect change a lot faster, which is why they're going after farmers, food production. It's an accelerated pace overseas. At some point, the law of unintended consequences will take over and they will lose control. I I still believe that ardently, that they will lose control. So anyway. Okay. So the last question that, that uh, yeah, spot I'm still working on my ham, ham radio license, but um, Troop's got his, he's got his call sign, his ham radio. And uh, we've all got comm set up, and this will be a good way to test. I want, I, I, I haven't had a chance to to talk to Troop because he's been busy with other things, but we'll we'll get it sorted and and do a comm test, and I'll put it out. I, I guess the question is for you, Spud, is where do we put it out? The are you on Telegram? Are you on, are you on Truth? Where are you at? Because uh, you know I'm not going to publish it everywhere. I'd rather have one place where we're publishing that information about. Um, radios and alternative comms. You tell me. Okay, awesome. Good chat. Um, so the last thing I want to talk through too is uh, there's there's this growing narrative that's um, showing up more and more and more about, okay, you're on Telegram. All right. Same, are you using the same Screen name, because if you're not using the same screen name, I'll never find you. Just food for thought. Anyway, we'll put it on the Telegram channel. Uh, you can probably find it in Troops channel too. So, um, okay, next topic. So there's this growing narrative around um, accepting pedophilia, and you're going to start seeing it all over the place. Uh, where I expect to see that next is I expect to see that in a TV show that's a series that's dedicated to minor attracted persons. 
and they're going to say it almost exactly that way. They're not going to call it pedophilia. They're going to soften the language or they're going to call it something else like Lolita or something along those lines. And the whole point of that is to get you to accept pedophilia, sex with minors. That's that's the next agenda that I'm starting to see. I, I, I saw cannibalism raise its head for a while and then it kind of disappeared. I think it was because the backlash was too strong. But this minor attracted persons, this is this is actually it's all it's grabbed and gotten traction in both the liberal communities as well as the gay communities. And it's really prevalent right now in the Bay Area. And I've and I've seen it over and over and over again. So I expect to see that next narrative show up in the next few weeks. They're and the way the sorry, rented lips. The reason why I'm expecting to see this is a conversation that I have with somebody that's in the entertainment industry that um, said to me, you're going to see some some things you've never seen before come out um, in a series format, and you should pay attention to that because it's signal. They're telling you what they want you, what they want to do. So look for that. I don't know how it's going to show up. I'm not in Netflix or Amazon enough to, to be able to say this is what it'll look like, but I'm expecting it's going to show up there. And which brings me back to the homework. Go out to Netflix, go out to Amazon and look and count how many dark Luciferian titles that you see out there. And I guarantee you that you will be shocked at how much of the programming has gone from sci-fi sitcoms to this dark Luciferian format. And it's everywhere now, literally every show. And they're laced with all these overtones and narratives and messages that are right out of all of their talking points, toxic masculinity, nuclear family death, Christianity. They, they are going after everything. But the thing you're seeing them narrow in on now is children. You're really seeing them start to target children. And it's insidious. But look for that over the next, the next um, I'm going to say two to three months. By the end of the year, there'll be a TV series that, that, covers or at least outlines a sexual relationship with a minor by an adult. I, I'm not going to say I guarantee it, but I'm pretty sure. I think there's a high probability. And it's all designed to get you to accept pedophilia. That's that's They're going after your children. Keep that in mind because you're going to see it in our lifetime. And our job now is to resist that. Resist watching it, resist ingratiating it, resist giving it airtime, and then educating our kids on why that is bad. And most people don't understand the traumatic effect on a kid, especially a very young child that's that's um, sexualized. They have no idea. It affects the kids for the rest of their lives. And that's the intent. They want to sexualize the kid so that the kid disassociates from society and dis is disenfranchised from society because then they'll do other things as adult, like rape, torture, and murder because of what happened to them as a kid. There's a process to this. And that's the part that most people don't realize is the insidious process and why they do this this ritualistic torture, rape, and mutilation of children. They do that for a very specific reason, and that's to traumatize the kid so they can turn them into serial killers later. There's a this is a this is a an insidious undertone and cultural aspect of our entire society that we have to deal with over the next 20 years. We have to eradicate this, folks. And this is something that most people aren't prepared to see. 
This is going to be the, the one litany test in your lifetime that you were that you're literally going to say, I didn't realize it was this bad. And it's going to be way worse than you think it is right now. That picture in your head, I guarantee you it's way worse than that. Way worse. And I and I look at the organizations and the people that have been affected by it. And go look at Virginia Guthrie and what she's gone through just to get some meaningful charges and meaningful information brought out against Prince Andrew. And you can assume if Prince Andrew is a pedophile, there's a good chance the rest of them are too. Remember, this is cultural. This is not individuals. This is cultural. This has been going on for generations in the elite. This has been the this has been the currency. Because when you have that much money, money doesn't mean anything. Money doesn't mean anything to Bill Gates. Nothing. It it's literally this is a currency for them. And when you start to look at the bigger picture around that and why that's so insidious, you're going to understand why they don't care what happens to the kid on the other side. And just go listen to some of what Virginia Guthrie has testified to. You can go read the testimony. It's online. I guarantee you, you're going to be shocked. And that's just scratching the surface. That's not any of the stuff that I saw. I mean, when you walk, like I said, I've said this before, and I keep saying it. You can't unsee a room full of body parts. You can't see it. You can't unsee it. You just can't. And in Al Nazaria, the clerics took over, declared Sharia law. They were literally drilling eyeballs out. I, I, I literally got the intel from it, and I saw a picture a picture of stacks of bodies with their eyeballs drilled out. Women, children, men, little kids, didn't matter. That's the problem we're facing. So while we're dealing with all this other crap to retake our to, to retake the planet. We're going to, have to, we're going to have to deal with that too. And that's going to, somebody's going to have to swim through the gutters or swim through the shit to keep the gutters clean. And that, that somebody has got to be somebody with the moral fortitude to not get wrapped up in it. And look at how much flack Tim Ballard has taken just since the movie Sound of Freedom's come out. They, they tried to discredit the funding source. They tried to discredit the movie maker. They tried to discredit the producer, Tim Ballard. Jim Caviezel, all the way down the line. They don't want this information to come out. Because they know if we see their real crimes, there's not a fucking hole on this planet they're going to be able to hide in. And trust me, my answer to them, especially Bill Gates, go hide in your hole. I can dig you out. I know creative ways to get you out of there. In fact, I'm Milton fucking Bradley. I will play games with you. Never even thought we could play. And there's a piece of tech in the world that's going to keep you in that hole alive once people figure out what you've really done. I guarantee it. And I saw that graphically in Iraq. So good luck with that. Anyway, any, if there's any other questions, put them in the chat now. And otherwise, I'm going to wrap this up. Appreciate everybody jumping on a short notice. I uh, was wanted to at least get something out today because there's there's I've been barraged with questions. But here's here's the the short take on it. Somebody go find the FEMA camps. Either a Google map, go find the FEMA camps. Other than that, folks, I really appreciate the time tonight. And uh, keep the keep the comments, keep the questions coming. And don't be scared. You have nothing to be scared of. And we're it, folks. We're the last bastion for the rest of the planet. At some point, we got to come together. God bless. One team, one fight.